By the Fire Podcast presents The Heart Speaks. Written and performed by Dave Smale. Chapter 39. Who Saw You? Tyrone blinked hard and refocused. The man who lumbered out of the room containing the quote-unquote goods looked like... No. The man sauntered over to Gino and handed him an envelope doubtlessly filled with cash. Tyrone's brain sputtered, trying to make sense of what he was seeing. Now that the man was in a well-lit living room, Tyrone thought, It kind of looked like him. Kind of sound like him. The man wore thin wire-rimmed glasses, a baggy button-down Hawaiian shirt, khaki slacks, and penny loafers. He had nearly jet-black hair, an obvious dye job, and a full, though neatly trimmed beard. Tyrone noted a limp favoring his left side. He was about the same height as the man he reminded Tyrone of, but weighed significantly less, maybe by 70 pounds. The man turned. Realizing too late that he was staring, Tyrone and Gino's customer locked eyes. For a brief moment, Tyrone thought he saw something flash behind the man's eyes. Can I help you with something? He said to Tyrone. Tyrone stood speechless. His teammates turned to look at him. He needed to think of something and quick. Nah, Tyrone said. The man's gaze shifted to Tyrone's team, who all stared back at Tyrone suspiciously. Your friend got a staring problem, he said. You look like someone I used to know, that's all, Tyrone said, heart pounding. The man eyed him suspiciously and didn't reply. He then turned back to Gino and said, Number six. Yes, yes, my friend, the old man replied. The man spun and practically jogged out of the house, if not for his limp. You see, we all are friends here, eh? said Gino. Right. Friends, Dan said, playing it as cool as he could. Tyrone saw in his team lead's eyes, that was a close one. So, can we see the goods now? Of course, please, come, Gino beckoned. They all followed him, Gino's thugs flanking the team. Tyrone couldn't get the man out of his mind. The more he thought about it, the man sounded like a New Englander, something of a Bostonian accent. But... Had he sounded like that before? What I'm thinking about? That's not him. Come on, get it together, Ty. You almost blew the mission. Gino led them through a door into a room where several people sat on the floor. Tyrone had seen many such rooms. Often the victims were sprawled out suggestively on beds, as if on display in a showroom. But this time there was no furniture. The children all sat on the floor, legs crossed, were pulled up to their chests. Ten sets of eyes regarded them. Three boys, seven girls, all looked weary, despondent, abused. On the hardwood floor, in front of each child was a crudely spray-painted number. Tyrone had only seen this one other time on a mission in a third world country. He didn't even recall where exactly. Tyrone's heart sank as he realized what the other customer meant by number six. He found the number 
and his eyes fell upon a sad-looking little girl with mixed features, green eyes, mocha latte skin, light brown afro curls. Wait, she familiar? Wow, Dan said. Impressive selection. Yes, yes, all are available except the number six, said Gino. Where I seen her before, Tyrone thought. Dan made a show of checking out the little girl. Too bad. How much did he give you? Maybe I can double it. Uh, no, no. Uh, there are nine others. Please, you choose, Gino insisted. All right, all right. Just messing with you, Dan said. I'll take... Dan let the anticipation hang, then said, Number four and number nine. Yes, very good. You know the price for each. Yep, Dan said, then turned to Tyrone. Pay the nice man, will ya? Still lost in thought as to where he'd seen that little girl, Tyrone didn't realize Dan was talking to him. Hey, Dan called. Huh? Tyrone said. Pay the man, said Dan. Oh, yeah, sorry, Tyrone said, forgetting he was also the money man. He reached into his pocket to fetch the envelope. Hey! They all looked back toward the door where the voice had sailed through. Wanna move your car? Got me blocked in! It was the other customer, the one that sounded like he was from Boston. Tyrone stopped, looking to Dan for instructions. Dan shook his head, exasperated. Jeez, Dan said. All right, go move it. Give me the envelope. Tyrone handed Dan the cash, then slipped out of the room. Gino's thugs eyed him as he moved past. Tyrone's thoughts moved even faster now. The mission was teetering. They'd never planned for having to stop in the middle of a transaction to go move a vehicle. Would Dan wait for him to get back inside before he said the code word? Tyrone would have to back the SUV almost completely down the driveway, delaying the raid and causing Dan and the team to have to stall. Would Gino get suspicious and cancel the sale? He jogged onto the narrow driveway where the other customer waited by his truck. Tyrone sprinted past him, coming within inches. Think I'm stupid, don't you? The man said. He didn't sound like a Bostoner anymore. Tyrone stopped cold and turned slowly. As the man came into his peripheral, light gleamed off the gun metal in his left hand. As if by magic, Tyrone realized he did recognize the man's voice and his build. Jerry? Who's Jerry? Tyrone stared at him. Think I don't know who you're really working for, Greeny? You're not some hired thug. You're with that trafficking outfit. Told you not to take that job. Wait. I thought you was dead, man, Tyrone said. I am. What? What the... Tyrone sputtered. Think I don't know this place is about to be swarming with SWAT? Look, let me tell you something. You never saw me here. Got it? Jerry, man. Look, quit calling me that name. Are we clear? Come on, you you talking crazy, man. And for the record, you ain't seen me neither, okay? Uh, I can't lose another job, man. My wife don't know what I really do. Nice try. As we say in Jersey, bullpucky. Uh, whatever, man. I moved a truck. No, on second thought, not good enough, Jerry said, leveling the pistol. Whoa, 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 man. What you doing? 
Tyrone put his hands up. Listen, Greeny, I'm gonna drive out of here and you are never gonna see me again or else I'll kill another... Jerry stopped. Huh? Nothing. You never saw me or else. Now move the truck. Now Tyrone's mind was on overdrive. Had Jerry, who was somehow still alive, just suggested he'd kill someone else they both knew? Would you say? Tyrone asked against his better judgment. Jerry bit his lip, then cursed. Just move that freaking thing, alright? Nah, nah, nah. Not till you tell me what you was about to say. Was you threatening to kill someone I know? Maybe I was, Jerry said. Wait, you said another. What's that mean? You already killed someone I know? Jerry stared at him, pistol still pointed at his chest. Tyrone's mind afire, wondering who Jerry might have killed that he knew. He couldn't think of anyone who'd died recently. Kron had been found dead, but he definitely wasn't a friend. Everyone else in their former department was in jail. Tyrone recalled something Channing had said. One thing I do know for sure, Stills is involved somehow. At the time, Tyrone had dismissed it as speculation, but as the conversation replayed in his mind at warp speed, he remembered Channing saying Jerry, Vale, and Furse were having a yelling match while he was busy identifying his daughter's body. He'd heard someone say, saw me, but he wasn't sure which of them had said it. Though Channing's details of that meeting were sketchy, Tyrone decided to make a leap of logic. Who saw you? Tyrone asked. Jerry grimaced. Tyrone continued. Denied of my daughter's murder. When we went to the precinct, I went to ID her body. You went up to Vale's office and got in a yelling match. Jerry again stared at him. Tyrone couldn't tell if he didn't recall the incident or if he was feigning uncertainty. You said, what could I do? And as someone saw you. So who was it? Who saw you, Jerry? Considering the mission he was putting in jeopardy and the fact that he didn't know for sure if it was Jerry who'd said it, he knew it was a significant gamble. But he was about to find out. Channing, Jerry said, practically spitting as he said it. Channing? Channing told you that, didn't he? That worthless little son of a... Answer the question. Who saw you? Jerry stared at Tyrone for a moment, then said, I highly recommend you get out of my way, Greeny. Nah, I ain't moving till I find out what I want to know. You gonna have to shoot me, but you do and my crew will be on you. I'll take my chances. Plus, I don't know what you're talking about, okay? Now get out of here. Where I'm from, we say, you lie and your breath stank. You've been lying to me for years, haven't you? How long you been buying sex slaves? Jerry stared at him, stone-faced. Why you lie to me, man? What was you living, two lives? A cop in one life and a, a, a sex offender in the other? Greeny? We was partners, man. I thought we was friends, too, Tyrone pleaded. Now look at you. What, you faked your own death? Dye your hair, grow a beard, fake accent? Why? 
You got about three seconds before I pull this trigger, Jerry said coldly. I could have got you help. Could have prayed for you, man. Prayed? Jerry said, screwing up his face. Yeah, man. You need God's help. Just like my wife did. Just like I did. It's not too late. Jerry looked down. God loves you, man, Tyrone said. Jesus died for you. Look, if he could save a guy like me and my wife and Channing, he could save anyone. Jerry sneered. Then, his countenance softening, he lowered the gun, took a deep breath, and said, Jella. Tyrone stared at him, unsure of what he'd just heard. Had Jerry just spoke his late daughter's name? And if so, why? Say what? Your daughter. She saw me. Thanks for listening to The Heart Speaks. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I'll be back next week with another chapter. Until then, God bless and thank you. This is a work of fiction. Names, characters, businesses, places, events, and incidents are either the products of the author's imagination or used in a fictitious manner. Any resemblance to actual persons, living or dead, or actual events is purely coincidental.